let me know. We can get you over there to the main campus, get you a meal, get you a t-shirt, find out more about the church. But that is today. If today doesn't work for you, it's okay. It's going to be also in September and October and November. Yes, September, October, November. They are doing it more frequently in the fall months. All right. And then next week, of course, is uh, Chase the Line Life Group host orientation. If you're interested in hosting a life group this fall and doing Chase the Line, then there's a host orientation next Sunday after church. So just want to make sure you're aware of that. I'm going to let Josh come up for just a moment, tell you just a few things about this Friday night. So that way you can share with your teenagers. Perhaps there's a couple teenagers in the room, but be able to share with them, share with your grandchildren, whoever you got that knows a teen. Maybe, maybe you don't even know a teenager, but you might need to go find a teenager this week and bring them here Friday night. Hey, everybody. Morning. Hey, okay, so the youth event, basically what it's going to be, it's just going to be pizza games. There's going to be door prizes, and it's going to be a time. It's kind of like it's an outreach and an inreach kind of thing. So pretty much if your teen knows anybody that doesn't have a place to go to church or they don't have a youth group, like, uh, I'm really expecting, like, this season of the church, you know, to really grow in that. And this is, like, the beginning event for it. So if you know teens that need a place to go or they need a place where they can be around others and they can be in a good environment, so, you know, you know, in that Christian environment, that environment of worshiping the Lord, invite them. Let them know, like, what it's all about. It's, you know, it's just going to be a good time for them to get to know me, for me to get to know them. And to also just have a good starting point to see growth start happening. So invite anybody and everybody ages 11 to 18. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is because youth. Amen. Which I think it covers sixth grade through through uh, senior in high school. So Ezekiel chapter 13 today. Ezekiel chapter 13. Starting with verse 1. Not too many people preach out of Ezekiel. But I feel like God's given us a word. And it starts out by saying, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy, and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the deserts. You have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. They have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them. Yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. Have you not seen a futile vision and have you not spoken false divination? You say the Lord says, but I have not spoken. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken nonsense and envisioned lies, therefore I am indeed against you, says the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and who divine, divine lies, they shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor be written in the record of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter into the land of Israel. 
Then you shall know that I am the Lord God. Because indeed, because they have seduced my people, saying peace when there is no peace. And one builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar. Say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar that it will fall. There will be flooding rain and you, O great hailstones, shall fall. And a stormy wind shall tear it down. Amen. I believe that what we're experiencing is just more lies from the enemy trying to discourage us, trying to distract us, trying to test this wall. Some of you were not here a year ago, but we built a wall through a 52-day challenge. Some of you will remember that. This is good foundation. This church is a solid foundation. Amen. And the enemy would try to come and attack the wall. But if you'll stand on on the wall, if you'll stand within the wall, you'll see that this wall will not fall. I said this wall will not fall. You've got to stand on the word of God. Amen. And stay faithful to the church. Though the enemy would send false accusations, false lies, and try to stir up divination. Hey, the enemy would even try to say there's peace when really we know that there's no peace. There's an enemy that's going to and fro. And he seeks to devour you. He seeks to devour your family. All because he's coming after God and coming after the church. Amen. It's the truth. Let's pray and we'll get into the word of God. Heavenly Father, God, I pray, God, that you touch this message, that you anoint the words that come out of my mouth, God. God, that you speak through me and use me and guide me today. God, may may, may these words, God, as as I speak, God, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit this morning, God, may ear, may you give the people ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to attain knowledge, God. God, I pray, God, in Jesus' name that you bless this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The church needs to hear the truth. And what God has to say, if we are to be the church that is without spot or blemish and be ready to meet Jesus in the air when he comes. Because Jesus is coming back. He is returning. He is on his way. He is returning back for a bride without spot and without blemish. And we need to be ready to hear the truth. Amen. I got a text just yesterday from a lady within this church. I didn't even have time to respond, but she said, Jesus revealed to me that he's coming sooner than we think. I believe that he is returning and the enemy is trying to destroy churches, not just this church. As I talk to other pastors, close friends of mine, it seems like the enemy is trying to destroy their church, destroy their families within the church. Because let me tell you, a church can't be a church with no people. 
Because, listen, this building could burn tomorrow. I'm not saying burn today. We're using it today. This building could burn tomorrow, but you know what? The church would still be here. We are the church, amen? And so the enemy comes to attack the families, and he tries to, to sow lies into families and into relationships and within people because he's coming after the church. He's trying to attack the church because the church is what Jesus instituted and left to fulfill the mission, to fulfill the commission, to go out and, and to preach therefore and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is a church. But Jesus had this to say, that, that I will build my church. Amen. I'm thankful that I ain't got to worry about building his church. I'm thankful I, ain't gotta, I, I don't have to be concerned about those things. I don't have to be concerned about those things. Though the enemy tells me a lot of times, Daniel, 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 puts all these stresses on me about this person leaving or this person not there. I'm thankful that the word of God tells me that he will build the church. That's a promise that I have to keep reminding myself that he will build the church. And I tell myself, that while, while, while that's not a physical building, that it's the people, that he will bring more people in. That he will replace people. That he will bring, bring people in and he will do what he's got to do for the church to be built. He says, I will build my church. And then he doesn't stop there. I'm thankful when Jesus doesn't just give you one promise in one sentence. He says, and... The gates of hell will not. Another translation says shall not. Another translation I'm sure says can't prevail against it. The enemy would try, but he can't. The enemy would try, but he won't. Amen. He goes after and he tries to test the foundation, but when the church is built upon the word, the wall cannot fall. We've got good brick and mortar, amen. So the church needs to hear the truth and what God has to say if we are to be the church. The problem we see is that there are many churches where the truth of the gospel message is lost somewhere in the mixture of teachings on the love of God and lost in the, just the teachings of faith and lost in the teachings of prosperity and a host of other more comfortable ideas and topics. And I love preaching about faith and I love preaching about the love of God. I know that we are blessed whether, whether our bank accounts are blessed or not. We're blessed just to have a relationship with the Lord. And the world needs to hear about the love of God for those that are lost. And we all need to feel the love of God and the mercy of God. But that isn't the only message that I need to preach. Along with the message of love and mercy must come the message of holiness. We are called to be holy as the Lord is holy. There's nothing else in the Bible that God repeats more than three times other than the words, holy, holy, holy. He says it. He doesn't say love, love, love. He doesn't say have faith, have faith, have faith. He says, holy, holy, holy. The word of God does. That's how important it is. I've got to preach about righteous living. We're supposed to live righteous. I've got to preach about personal sacrifice for the kingdom of God. An obedient servant to the Lord Jesus Christ won't always have a comfortable life. Not going to get any help this morning. I'll just have to say it again. 
An obedient servant to the Lord Jesus Christ won't always have a comfortable life. There will be times when serving God will require you to stretch and grow. Last year around the fall, I really felt like we were going for a stretch season. I preached a whole sermon series about it. We're still being stretched. We're still going through some growing pains. We're still growing. But God will require us to stretch and grow. We all love to hear about faith. Faith is taught in our present world as though it were a magic tale where they lived happily ever after to give us everything and anything we want. I like preaching about faith. Faith is in the Bible. But we've got to live righteous and that's part of being stretched and growing. We gotta, we gotta live holy. And that's part of being stretched and growing. A Christian is always being stretched and growing closer to the Lord. And in order to do that, we've got to take out of things that are in our, in our life that doesn't need to be there. Because he's coming back for a bride without spot or blemish. There are a lot of preachers going around preaching half the truth, which is just have faith to believe and you will receive anything you desire. There is some truth to this statement, but the real truth doesn't lie in just having faith to believe. It is also connected with having the will of God in your life and the believer speaking the word of God over your life. You can have faith to believe anything you want to, but it is not according to the will of God. If it's not according to the will of God and the word of God for your life, God won't bring it to pass. And if it does come to you, better wonder about the source. I've seen too many Christians whose lives have been wrecked by the teachings of those who promised them that God was with their decisions when God was nowhere in the equation. Let me read Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 1 through 3 again. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. There are still false prophets today who are preaching white lies, making people always feel good. God is bringing an indictment against those churches who will not preach the truth because they are nervous that a few dollar bills will leave their sanctuary. There are many churches, both small and large, where the truth of the gospel is preached and those that teach in these churches are walking in obedience and God is blessing them. But there are churches who are not preaching the truth. God is blessing this small church. It's not the size of the church that makes the difference. It's the power of the Holy Ghost and the presence of God in the church that makes the difference. Amen. I've listened to our youth leader, Josh, invite people to church. He tells them, it's the biggest small church you'll ever go to. It's the biggest small church you'll ever go to. God is blessing our church. But what the enemy would like us to focus on is all the lies he's telling us and telling us that everything is falling apart and that everything is just falling apart, that everything's gonna fail. And let me tell you, let me tell you, we're built on a solid foundation. We're built upon the word. Don't listen to the lies of the false prophets. Grass may look greener on the other side where the preacher's preaching all about prosperity and, and, and preaching, hey, I'm giving out Cadillacs and all those different things. Let me tell you, there's false prophets out there 
And the enemy will use them to preach lies. No matter how large or how small the congregation, Zechariah 4, 6 says this, it's not my by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We need the spirit of the Lord, amen? Guiding us, helping us make decisions in our meetings, in our services. Leading us uh, as we come together to worship. Leading us as we give. Leading us as we preach. It's by his spirit. God doesn't care whether you drive a Hummer or a Junker. He just cares that you have what you need to get the job done that he's called you to do. And listen, it is the spirit of God we need to get the job done. Amen. Oh, I need to say this this morning. I know it set some of y'all free. Quit waiting for God to bless you before you bless God with what he's already blessed you with. Mm. I heard about three people say that was good, so I'm going to say it again. Quit waiting for God to bless you before you bless God with what he's already blessed you with. God, God doesn't care if you have $10 or 10000 in your wallet as long as you use it to accomplish his mission. God is not asking you to give what you don't have. He's asking you to give what he has already given you. Trust me, if God can get it through you, then he will give it to you. Come on now. I know I'm preaching all over the place. But listen to me, family. There are a lot of preachers who say they are called, but God didn't call them. And the messages that they are bringing are not from God, but originate in the dark recess of their own minds. I want you to know that if a man of God doesn't spend time with God to hear the voice of God, then he really isn't a man of God. What I see is that God is bringing condemnation upon those who will not stand and preach the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And what I also see is those that are preaching truth, the enemy is trying to attack. But listen, walls will not fall if it's built upon the truth. Sermons ought to step on your toes. Sermons ought to make you squirm in your seat. Sermons ought to make me even feel a little bit nervous about preaching them. Because I'm preaching the word of God. The same word of God that I got to live to and live by. If all we get out of a sermon is self-gratification, then why do we come to church to be self-gratified? I can go down to the buffet at Jenkins and be self-gratified. And get all the self-gratification I need if I just need self-gratification. They'll even thank me for coming there today. Let me tell you, God doesn't care if you're uncomfortable with his word. God's word to you is always designed to bring about a change in your life and to help you live a more sanctified, closer life with Jesus. God is seeking you to be more righteous. God is seeking for you to be holy as he is holy. God is seeking you to have a closer relationship with him. He's seeking you to go and purge the sin in your life and to deal with those things, those habitual sins that are keeping you back from having that closer walk with Jesus. I'm telling you, if you don't squirm from time to time and get uneasy when reading this Bible, then it's time to quit reading the story Bible for children and pick up the Word of God and start reading it. Because this word, word is made to step on your toes. This Word is made to make you squirm a little bit. The problem with a lot of preachers is that they are too concerned with the cash flow to be, than to be concerned with the spirit flow. I take the Holy Spirit any day. I take the Holy Spirit moving in our services any day. There, there are people that are too concerned with the presence of people than they are concerned with the presence of God. 
They may have a big bank account, a lot of activity, big crowds, and a show of entertainment, but where is God in all of it? I don't come to church to be entertained. I don't come to church to be entertained. We, we, we got, we've got an awesome praise team and praise band and some, some of the best musicians. I think we have the best musicians in all of East Ridge, if not in all of Chattanooga. But let me tell you, I don't come to church to be entertained. I come to church to worship the Lord. I come to church to, to, to exhort and to preach truth. I come to church to receive encouragement from my family and friends. I come to church because it's what God's called me to do. I come to church to grow closer with the Lord. Yes, even the pastor comes to church so he can grow closer with the Lord. I come to church because I like it when I feel the Spirit upon me. I come to church I like it because I, when I feel anointed. I come to church when I feel the Holy Spirit moving our services. Come on now. I come to church to get that refreshing that I need. I come to church sometimes when I feel dead and I just need to be revived. I come to church when I know that all hell is breaking loose at home, but this is the house that I need to be in. I come to church when I know that you have issues and I have issues and we just need to work out those issues with Jesus. But the enemy would do everything he can to distract people to try to make them think, oh, the grass is greener over there. Let me run over there to that church. And people would think, and the enemy would try to make you think, oh, I just need to stay at home and not worry about going to church. Let me tell you, we ought to come to church. We ought to grow closer to the Lord every Sunday when we come to church. But don't let us stop at the church. Don't let us stop at the church. Sunday to Sunday is just a continuation just a building block upon building block. And we take this word of God and we go and we take it and we read it with our devotion that we're reading that week or the, the Bible we read that week or as we pray that week and we build upon and we build upon and we build upon and we grow closer to the Lord. I don't come to church to be entertained. I don't come to church to be self-gratified. I don't come to church to even collect a paycheck. I come because I was called to plant this church. I come because God spoke and I listened and I obeyed. I come today and every Sunday and every time the door is open to worship God with others, I come to church to lift up his name that is above every name, the name of Jesus with you all, and to preach the truth found in the word of God that was promised to set the captive free. Amen? White lies don't set the captive free. Lies from the enemy don't set the captive free. Only the word of God, which is the source of truth, can set the captive free. When I go to church, and it's very rare, and I'm not preaching, I want to hear from somebody who has been on their face before God and received a word of God. That's, 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 that's going to give me a word that's going to give me something I need that I need to receive from. I love listening to Jensen Franklin. That's somebody I like listening to. You may not like him, but I do. I, I like him. I, I, I get encouragement. One, one weekend, me and Pamela, we had not been married maybe a year, we decided to go down to Atlanta on a, on a little trip and enjoy the Atlanta Aquarium and all and do a couple other things. And I said, on Sunday morning, we're going to go check out Jensen Franklin's church. I've never been there. And I want to hear him preach. I want to hear a word from the Lord. So we went and got there. And Jensen Franklin wasn't even there that Sunday. And there was a man up there, Bruce Wilkerson, wrote the book on prayer of Jabez. I thought, well, this is going to be pretty good because I've read that book. It's pretty good. And he was there to raise money for a new sanctuary that they were building or a new chapel they were building. I said, man, 
I really need a word from God. I'm telling you, we come to church to get a word from God. We don't come to church to get another lie. Enemy lies enough all throughout the week in our ear. He tries to tell us all those lies all throughout the week. We come to church to get a word from God. And you know what? The truth doesn't always make you feel comfortable. But the truth is the truth. And anything less is, is a lie. Amen. When I go to church, I look for that word of God, that message, if I'm not preaching. Don't give me some watered down, soft soap, wimpy little message that don't have the power to change a flea. I want to hear from the Lord. I want to hear a word. Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 4 through 7 from our text says, O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in deserts. You have not gone up in the gaps and to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. They have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. I'm going to read that verse again. They have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. Have you not seen a futile vision and have you not spoken false divination? You say the Lord says, but I have not spoken. Every week, teachers and preachers stand in their classrooms or behind their pulpits and they bring forth a word. If they're not reading this, they're not bringing forth a true word from God. If they're not bringing you and reading your scripture, then they're not bringing you a true word from God. If it don't line up with this word, I thank God for those brothers and sisters who do spend time in prayer and preparation and bring forth a word from God. One of my, one of my classes I took at least said that it takes one hour, listen to this, one hour of study time to prepare for every minute of preaching time. One hour of study time to prepare for every minute of preaching time. When I read that, I thought, that is insane. Just being truthful. On average, I preach about 30, 40 minutes. I better pull my clock out or I won't know where I'm at right now. I preach on average about 30, 40 minutes. That would mean that I, I would have to, there's no way I could spend 30, 40 hours a week just preparing a sermon for one week. How did preachers that preached on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night even did it, did it take that much study time for them to prepare those three sermons even if they were preaching 20 or 30 minute sermons? I pray that it, that is an accumulation of time spent studying over the years and not in one week. But I tell you, I get really nervous if I don't prepare before the Lord. If I don't spend that time needed. Because I've, I am subject to this truth as well. And if I'm preaching it, i got to make sure that I'm preaching the true word of God. There's people that get behind their pulpits. I've listened to it on YouTube. I've pulled it up. Other churches that, that, that just sometimes sound great. And there's some great churches in Chattanooga. But then there's some of those that just preach whatever. And it's like, man, that is just so watered down. I can't even tell if you read the Bible or not. I believe when I come out and stand behind the pulp, this pulpit, I need to have studied the word of the Lord that God gave me so that I can articulate it, communicate it, and teach it to you all. In a recent survey that I read it in my email, I've forgotten the source, but it said that among ministers who pastor churches across America, 
it was determined that the vast majority spend less than 15 minutes in prayer for their message and spend less than 30 minutes preparing. You ask my wife. If I hadn't worked on my message throughout the week like I needed to, she's a widow on Saturday. Meaning I'm not existent. I go in that bedroom, I, that extra bedroom we got, I close that door and I work on the message. And her, Jubilee, they'll come to the door, what are you doing? And four or five hours I'm in there finishing up. Last night I was up late, not because I hadn't prepared a word, because I had to cook some spaghetti. But there's been many late nights that I've spent on Saturday nights because I didn't have my word yet. Prayed all week. It wasn't because I didn't pray. Thought about it. Sometimes God decides he gives it to you on Thursday and Friday. I like it when it comes on Sunday or Monday. Just being truthful. But sometimes God gives it to you Thursday, Friday. I've even had it come on Saturday sometimes. And sometimes I kind of even wondered if it came at all. Just being truthful. But I'm telling you. Make sure whoever you listen to is preaching from the word of God. It's the source of truth. There's people out here that's preaching from a lot of other different sources. You don't even understand it until you start listening to the source. I was looking at YouTube this week and I, and I heard somebody that was preaching. And that's the kind of what kind of sparked this whole message. I heard somebody that was preaching that was quoting the Koran. But they was preaching as a Christian in a church. They, nobody else knew that they were quoting the Quran, but I recognized something they were saying and I thought, man, I've heard that somewhere else. And it kind of sparked this whole message and said, Lord, you already given me what I need to preach as part of this white last sermon series to beware of false prophets. Beware of those that are not preaching the truth. Listen to me, any leader of this church, let me tell you right now that you better take a moment each week to pray to God and make sure you have a word on the behalf of your ministry. Don't ever assume that you know enough or that you know it all. Don't ever take the presence of God for granted. Don't ever just show up thinking you're ready or minister to God's people without having spent time before God in preparation for your task. Make sure that you got a word and make sure it came from the source. God doesn't bless laziness. He doesn't bless a half-hearted effort. Remember this. Whatever you teach, whatever you preach, it must bring wisdom Knowledge, strength, power for the battles ahead. If the message you bring doesn't have the power of God behind it, how will those you teach be able to use it in overcoming the devil in the week ahead? It had come to the place in Israel of Ezekiel's day that a majority of the prophets of the land were making false predictions. They were calling out false things. And teaching things that made people feel good even though God was trying to bring forth a warning to Israel of impending judgment. These prophets were saying, thus says the Lord, when it was really, thus says the false prophet. The Lord said they won't even be included in this chapter, chapter 13. He said they, their names will not even be included in my book, in the word, because of their false accusations. We have seen some similar things in our day. It was just a few years ago when Harold Camping, 
name that everybody would recognize in this room, said the world would come to an end. There were dire predictions that the world would come to an end. Also in 1982, because of the alignment of the planets and stars. I can remember just a few years ago, a decade ago, well, almost two decades. Man, I'm getting old. Y2K. Everybody need to prepare for disaster. It's the end of the world. I remember thinking our computer was going to reset itself and not be able to be used. Even though it was much before my time, I've heard of stories of those who believed they would be taken away in a flying saucer as the hell-bop comet flew past the earth. I know of people who have lived their lives by a word from a false prophet and been shipwrecked on the sea of lies and deceit. Don't listen to white lies. Don't listen to any lie from the enemy. I'm telling you, church, just as it was in the days of Ezekiel, so it is today. False prophets and teachers are everywhere proclaiming that they have a vision from the Lord when that vision is not from God. Their vision is from their own imagination spawned from the pits of hell in an all-out effort to save men from the real move of God. False teachers will teach lies and write books about it for money. I don't want to name a name, but I can think of somebody that wrote a book for money and nothing came to pass. Something about the red moons or something. I didn't even read it. But don't stray away from God believing in some lie. Just someone very close to Pamela and I posted recently on Facebook that they thought that God would never give them more than they could handle. What they didn't know was that has been one of the most misused scriptures in the Bible and that Satan has used that scripture and twisted it to make a white lie to make people every day begin to doubt God's word. And that's not what the scripture says at all. So that's one of the white lies I wanted to cover in this sermon series. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is what the scripture is from. And I've decided to break it down in the New Living Translation so that everyone understands clearly what it's saying. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. That's, that's pretty good, right? The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. We're all on this journey together facing the same temptations. And God is faithful. And he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. He goes on, same verse. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out of your temptation so that you can endure In other words, the scripture says God will not never give you a temptation that you can't handle and he will show you a way out so that you can endure temptation. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're being tempted to do, let me tell you, the word of God does give you a promise that he has shown you a way out. If you've been a drug addict and that's been your thing and you've been hooked on drugs, let me tell you, you don't hang out with people that's on drugs anymore. You have a way out, and it's called, you know what, change my number, change my location. You can't find me. You're not welcome over this house anymore. No matter what the addiction is, no matter what the temptation is, you might still get accused sometimes. I think, I think of Joseph. He was tempted. 
I'm sure Potiphar's wife was throwing herself on him. But he had a way to flee away from temptation. He had a way to flee from Potiphar's wife. He had a way out. God always gives us a way out. But what the scripture did say though was that God will not give you more than you can handle. People often say it with good intentions to try and comfort someone walking through difficulty or suffering. Maybe you have even said it. I, once as a young preacher, even said it myself. But the truth is, God will give you more than you can handle. Mm. There's preachers preaching all over the place today that God will never give you more than you can handle. Let me tell you, God will give you more than you can handle. I'm going to say it to myself. Daniel, God will give you more than I can handle. Mm. I, I, I could just go home on that. But I need to tell you what else. There are things that come into our lives that we can't handle. Suffering, pain, heartache, darkness. There are things that come into our life that we can't handle. Loss of a loved one. I don't think we can handle it. It's only by the comfort of the Holy Spirit that comes in. There are so many things in this world that has been brought in by sin that we can't handle. Things often unexpected or sometimes even unexpected that hit us hard. As a pastor, I have a front row seat to see the suffering of people. And hardly a day, and here recently, a few hours goes by without a phone call, text message, a status or message on Facebook that doesn't make me shake my fist at the devil. All the time, there's things coming on that we can't handle. But the truth is, church, God will give you more than you can handle, but he will not give you more than he can handle. God will give you more than you can handle, but he won't give you more than he can handle. He can handle it all. God allows the enemy to give you more than you can handle so that you can realize you can't handle it on your own, that you need Jesus in your life, that you need a relationship with God in your life. He gives it to you so that it would draw you closer to your dependency on him, so that it will draw you closer to him, so that he can get praise from it. You look at the prophet Job. Job was attacked. Only because God said to the enemy, yeah, I'll let you do everything but take his life. The enemy can't take your life. You may feel like what you're going through is going to kill you. Let me tell you, the enemy can't take your life. Your hair might turn gray. You might even lose all your hair. Dan, I'm sorry, you ain't got no hair to lose. But the enemy cannot take your life. We go through things that, that, that we can't handle. But God can handle it all. He gives it to you so it draws you closer to, to him, dependency on him so he can get praise. Let me tell you, give the Lord your pain. Give the Lord your tears. Learn to depend on life as if your life depends on God because it does. Let me read Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 8 through 11 and finish this sermon up this morning. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken nonsense and envisioned lies, therefore I am indeed against you, says the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and who divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor be written in the record of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter into the land of Israel. 
Then you shall know that I am the Lord God. Because indeed, because they have seduced my people saying peace when there is no peace. And one builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar. Say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar and that it will fall. There will be a flooding rain and you, O great hailstone, shall fall and a stormy wind shall tear it down. This is what's happening. Israel's prophets were promising peace when God was promising judgment and war. Their soft words and flattering tongues convinced the people of Israel that all was well. If you study this scripture, you'll see that the false prophets taught just enough of the truth to get the people to at least build a wall. But it wasn't much of a wall. In the days of ancient Israel, the only thing that could keep an enemy from annihilating you was to have a strong defensive wall. These prophets preached so that they would prepare, but they never took the preparations far enough. They had a watered-down message. They had a watered-down mortar, which made them have a watered-down wall. Let me tell you, the enemy is coming to and fro, going to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. He is trying to attack this church. He's trying to attack your families. I can't preach watered-down messages. I got to tell you the truth. He doesn't want you living for God. He doesn't want, he, he knows he can hurt God by taking your soul. Because God loves you that much. If he would send his son to die on a cross for you, how much more do you think the hurt endures when another soul goes to hell? When more pain. I believe God gave us emotions because he feels them too. We're made like him in that way. These prophets preached and they didn't prepare because they preached a watered-down message. There's false prophets today that preach a watered-down message. There are those who preach that Jesus will never condemn a soul to hell forever. But we know that's not the truth. What about those who preach that all it takes is shake hands with the preacher or be baptized as a baby to make it to heaven? What about those that preach that every Christian ought to be a millionaire? Where's the message of repentance for sin? Where's the message of surrendering your life to Jesus? When do they say that you are to be born again and put down the deeds of the flesh? I'm telling you, church, we can't afford to fake it until we make it. They used to tell me that at Walmart when I worked there. We had a little chant we had to say every night. I almost remember it. It was every night. Little, little cheer. And the lady that was on that third shift say, fake it till you make it. We can't afford to fake it till we make it. We gotta make sure that we're living right. We gotta make sure that the enemy is not coming in, that there's not a place in our wall that's not built up with, with, with the word of God. We gotta make sure there's nothing that the enemy could come and sneak his way in because he is seeking to destroy you. He's seeking to take your soul down with him because he knows what his fate is. We can't talk a good talk but not walk the walk. We need to make Jesus in the center of it all and say all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Give it all to him. Your sin, your life, your desires, your ambitions, your goals, your dreams. Let his life, 
His desire, his goals, his vision become yours. Amen? I'm telling you what, if we build a life or a wall based on false foundations without a personal, personal commitment to Christ, it will be like building a brick house on sand and putting in bad mortar mix. The bricks will fall out and the wall will crumble. It will never stand against the storms of life. Anything you build has to have a solid foundation. And I'm telling you, Jesus, the word of God, is that solid foundation. It is that rock. You have to build upon Christ and his word. You have to build upon his truth or we'll have a vulnerable spot that the enemy can penetrate. In the lands in the Far East and even in the deserts in the West and the United States, if you're going to build a wall, you have to get down below the surface of the sand to find solid foundation. If you just throw a wall up on the sand and then use Bad mortar mix, it won't last for long. The first time a torrential rain comes, the sand will wash away and the foundation will be destroyed. Then the wall will begin to crack and finally crumble away. That's the way life will be if we don't build ourselves upon the truth. None of us like change. None of us like to be told when we are wrong. None of us like to be told that we need to repent. But those are the types of sermons that help build a strong wall that will stand the storm. I don't know about you, family, but when Jesus comes back or calls me home, I don't want to find out I let him down in any area of my life. In conclusion, let me say to you right now that we must be on guard as to the voices we listen to. We must be on guard to the voices we listen to because the enemy would sow white lies. It sold lies through good preachers, and they're good. They can preach good anyway. It sold lies through teachers. It sold lies through people that may not believe like you. It sold lies through people that you think they believe like you. Be careful who you're listening to. People flock to false teachers and preachers because they like to feel good. People like to hear teaching that tells them that they are okay. Just eat, drink, and be merry. People like to be praised, honored, recognized, gratified. People like to feel good. But be on your guard. If the message you hear makes you angry at times, maybe God is trying to change your thinking. If the preacher steps on your toes, perhaps your feet are walking where they shouldn't walk. If the word that comes forth makes you squirm in your seat or makes you feel uneasy, maybe there is something in your life that God wants to clean out. I want to see you build a strong wall. Strengthen the hedge. And be ready for the battles ahead. I want to see you stand the test that are still to come. I want us all to make it to the end. I want us all to stand before Jesus and hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant to us all. We need to have the right mortar mix in our wall. How do I get the right mortar mix, preacher? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's what I've been harping on all year. 
Even last year in our 50-day challenge, nothing has changed. We mix the right mortar mix by coming to church, receiving from the Word of God, from reading the Word of God ourselves and getting in this Word. We got to read it. Don't think that you don't have to read it. Don't think that you know everything it says. Get in there and read you something. Find you a chapter to start. Find you a book to start and just start reading it. You don't understand it. You know what? I give you permission to go to the bookstore and get you another translation that they would recommend. I'm not talking about McKay's either. I'm talking about the Christian bookstore. You go in there, they might give you some other book. No, go to the Christian bookstore and say, hey, I don't understand what I'm reading. I want to understand it better. And they'll give you an amplified version, a living translation. They'll give you something. But we got to read the word. We got to pray. We got to pray. The battle is won, won in prayer. Why people call the pastor and say, hey, can you pray for me? Because they know the battle's won in prayer. But not just the pastor's got to pray. You've got to pray too. Word of God doesn't say where the pastor agrees. There I am in the midst. The Word of God says where two or three gather, there I am in the midst. you got to pray with the pastor. The pastor can only agree with you. We mix the right mortar mix with prayers, studying the Bible, being committed to the house of God, meditating upon the word, listening to the spirit of the Lord to speak, being obedient to his voice on all those things. They'll build a stronger relationship with the Lord. Would you stand today? Heads bowed, eyes closed. You might would say to me today, preacher, I'm not even saved. I'm not even 